Welcome, Welcome to Fightconomy. Here, Here we cover everything from finance, economy, and how it affects you. Please welcome your host, Kyle Talks. Welcome, welcome to Fight Economy. Thank you guys for joining in today. I am Kyle, host of this amazing podcast. And this is your first time here today. This is something we like to call, as you just heard, Fight Economy. We're talking about the finance, economy, and how it all affects you. The point of the show is not to bore you to death with fancy, like, collegiate terms that will confuse you is to tell you what's going on and how you can best either play on offense or defense whatever that means for you in your cash because we should all we should all be smart about our money i wasn't raised essentially to be like smart about our money but that doesn't mean we all shouldn't be we should all be able to talk about cash and use it in a way where it works for us and not just willy-nilly because we can but without the way if this is your first time joining thank you for tuning in i do have a podcast every week every during the weekday at wednesday called kyle talks which is the main meat and potatoes of this podcast this is something i just do every weekend for the above reasons if you like this kind of content go ahead and please share the podcast and tag at kyle the horton on whether twitter or instagram and go ahead and give me reviews down below also if you would like to see the articles that i reference during this time there will be in the show notes down below all three of them in the same order that i talked to them about we have a lot of stuff to cover today. There's a lot going on in the world and U.S. economy. So let's jump into our first topic. Inflation still hot topic amid rising pay wages and stock market gains. You know, we've always been talking about the recession around here. It's a very hot topic among if you're if you're not keeping up with what's going on. I'm sure you've heard of inflation at this point. I think we all have. We all know gas is a thing. But if you have not heard anything past that. There have been a lot of talks about us being in a recession, which means no one essentially we're not getting to the fanciness of it. It just means people have no more money. There's stock market gains are usually down. That's what usually decides a recession. But a recession by definition is two consecutive quarters of failing GDP. I'm going to explain to you what that means in layman terms. That means we made less stuff in two quarters. So, you know, the year is divided by in four quarters, one, two, three, four. So if we have two quarters where the GDP, which means gross domestic product, how much stuff we make, if that just falls down, if lower, no matter how much the percentage lower twice in a row, we are technically in a recession. And as of March, April, excuse me, as of April this year, we've actually been in a technical recession because we've had two failing GDPs every quarter. Actually, we are at three now. So we are technically in a recession. If, you, if you've if you been here a lot, you know I'm about to go on my thing right now. Um, if this is your first time here, you're going to realize why no one is really saying recession and why no one's really enforcing it. Because guess what it is? It is election year. We have Senate positions coming up. Um, so a ton of House positions, a lot of Senate positions. All that meaning that on both sides, whatever you are, doesn't matter. On both sides, they're either they're really trying to downplay it. Or oversell it to say, oh, this isn't really a problem. We'll take care of it. It's not going to be a big deal. So that's why you're not really hearing too much about it. Because unfortunately, it is election season. And what matters more than money? Your vote. Because it keeps those people who have that money, their money. So keep that in mind. That's not that's not a weird take. I'm just telling you guys, this is how it usually is. If you look back in history, this is usually how it is too. They downplay the economic status of things because they want the almighty vote. So let's talk about inflation is still hot. Inflation is right now currently sitting at 8.4%. At its peak, it was at 9.2, give or take. I may be a little off. I may be a little bit too high on that. But right now, at the 
moment of recording this podcast, the current inflation rate is at 8.4%. So markets are bouncing. Um, if you pay no, if, if you don't really pay attention to the stock market, the stock market has been bouncing a lot. Um, I'm thankful for my portfolio, but it's bouncing when things are bad. Things are going up and gas is bad. Inflation is bad. Um, CPI, if, and if you're unaware of what that is, that is consumer price index. And that just means the cost of basic goods. That's all that means. The cost of basic goods are up. Gas is up. Food is up. But people are getting hired and bit and paid more, yet inflation is still hot. Let's, jump, let's talk about it. Markets are bouncing. Pay wages are up. And vibes seem to be temporarily up. But companies are still reporting mass problems with supply chains and the big I word, inflation. CPI, which we talked about, is the, just the price of basic goods, consumer price index, increased by 0.4%, while the PPI, which is producer price index, and all that means is how much it costs for a pencil manufacturer to make one pencil, that's all that means, increased by 0.4% in September. So prices are going up, you're paying more for your stuff every day, and producers are paying for more of their stuff every day. Report also states that inflation is making it hard to fill work positions. Stating that the workforce is stalling out and many companies must increase their minimum wages to keep skilled workers. So there's two two things outside of this. Inflation, it's it's interesting. So if you've listened to the past um, episode where I've talked about like the pay gap and the pay wages, it was actually stated that people are getting paid a lot more. And that's pretty unanimous across Bloomberg, MSNBC, The Economist, Wall Street Journal. That's pretty synonymous across the whole like everyone's getting paid more essentially. Right. And I've gave my own story about this. Um, I don't work at target anymore, but when I got hired on to during a uh, COVID year, so 2020, I was hired on at 15. And then when I left, I was making more than that, but the minimum wage now at target, cause I just saw a big sign like a week or two ago was 1750, I think. And that was for down here in SoCal. So of course it's going to be different areas, but I could tell you people are getting paid more. Cause when I got hired on two years ago, I got hired on at 15 and now it's either 1650 or 1750. One of the two, either way, it's more. So that is for sure happening, but it's also stating that it's harder for people. It's harder for, excuse me, reading the article. It's harder for workforces to fill this wage because they have to pay more and they're already paying more for producers on top of that. And 10% of companies have to increase wages to keep their skilled workers. So we're not talking about minimum wage workers here. We're talking like people sitting in office or like, doing construction or doing like accounting, some kind of skilled work that you may or may not have gone to school for. They're having these companies having to dish out more due to inflation and just to keep them on the job. Cause I'm sure if you heard the great resignation, a lot of people have been leaving jobs. So I'm not surprised to see wages are going up and I'm not surprised to see skilled workers demanding more wages in the face of high inflation. Many companies also on the same note stated that the past inflation reduction act would indeed help help curve overhead going into 2023. I am not sure how that will happen. Um, if you go a few episodes back, Phyconomy, what is the Inflation Reduction Act? We It was like a 30, 35, 40-minute episode where we literally broke it down. We talked about what it means and how it applies. And go ahead and go listen to that because that's still pertinent today, even though this happened a month or two ago. That Inflation Reduction Act is still pretty big. Um, but to give you, I would recommend go listening to that episode, but to give you the long short of it, don't really know how that helps inflation. Um, but if you're buying Teslas, um, you get a 
a rebate for that. They send you like a check for a certain percent back to promote healthier like world stuff. But uh, yeah, don't know how that helps inflation, but you can get if you're rich enough to want to buy a Tesla, you'll get money back. Yay. Tesla also plans to value greatly from it, which is obvious. They also, although in Q3, Tesla's plans for sold cars actually came underestimate, but going into Q4 and early 2023, with the Inflation Reduction Act, one of the big things was climate change in the Inflation Reduction Act. So Tesla and a lot of EV vehicles, Ford Motor, Honda, they have um, electronic vehicles. They plan to get more sales going through the end of this year into 2023. People really want to take advantage of that rebate and that reduction that you get back after buying an electronic vehicle. And that's anywhere in the United States, any of the 50 states. Um, it's not excluding anywhere as far as I'm aware. You get that percentage off no matter where you go. Also, at ending it, every company is feeling pressure inflation has on the supply chain and expects it well into 23. What does that mean? So let's bring up that pencil manufacturer we are talking about earlier. He has to buy wood. He has to buy um, metal, just rubber stuff to make whatever however you make your eraser he has to buy all these products and he sources the maybe he gets wood from one company he gets metal from a different company he gets the lead from a different company and that's boom there's your supply chain that's supply chain 101 and with the increased price of inflation and gas it's making it harder to get these products because they're more expensive it makes it harder logistically to travel them from point a to point b because when you're talking about like shipping mass product raw materials it gets expensive. If you guys have ever sent and hit one heavy package and had to pay like $7 for it, you understand. So when you're talking about thousands of pounds of raw material on top of high inflation, high gas, it's just more expensive to get that raw material in general. You can see how that can really affect supply chains and making it hard to transport and get it to there on time, especially with COVID era rules that are still in, in, uh, in place in many other areas. So supply chains are feeling the heat. And that also is synonymous with what we talked about two minutes ago with the PPI, which is the producer price index and how much it costs to make an item being up so much. Um, so we can see how that's affecting it and why it's up so much because these supply chains are getting constrained. We're still talking about inflation. People are getting paid more. People are getting hired more, but yet we're still suffering from inflation and people are still spending money. That leads perfectly into our second topic of the day. U.S. spending is what's keeping the market from failing, which in turn is pushing the and accepting higher levels of inflation. Perplexing. Brian Moynihan, I know I ruined his name, so... CEO of Bank of America stated that consumer spending is not decreasing, but mitigating. Interest rates have been hiked aggressively this year, and it's starting to affect everyday people like you and me worse and worse with every rate hike. Let me break that down a little bit before we jump further into this article. So Brian M., I don't know how to say his last name. He is the CEO of Bank of America. He is stating that we are not technically in a recession yet, and Inflation is, isn't getting fixed because people are continuously spending money. Therefore, also accepting these high levels of inflation and also not allowing the economy to quote unquote fail. That is 100% accurate. I'm sure this man knows a lot more than me. I just got my degree in it. He's been doing this for years and years. But essentially what he's saying, it's he's is this weird thing that we're seeing where inflation is high. 
um, interest rates are high and I'll give you the crash course if you don't know what interest rates are. Interest rates just control how much you pay back on money you borrow. So if you take out a loan to go um, to school on a car for a house or you have a credit card, you spend that money, you have to pay back interest like the interest whatever that is five seven ten whatever that is so essentially when interest rates are increased it makes you want to spend less money because you'll have to pay more money on it and this is generally supposed to affect the high companies because companies believe it or not really do control a lot of the circulation of money and value due to goods and services supply chains all these kind of things so when the Federal Reserve, which is the money manager, money managers of America, when they start increasing interest rates, they want people to not spend money because they want inflation to come back down. And then once it comes back down, they want to encourage people to spend their money. So all of 2022, we've been in, we want people to spend less money mode. And what Brian, the CEO of Make America is saying, it's weird. We've seen these crazy rate hikes, like going up almost a percent every quarter and people are still spending money. But there's also the perplex, the perplexing fact of people still have to buy gas, food, groceries, clothes, I mean, basic living supplies. And we're forced to buy those things. We can't be like, ah, I'm going to skip out on food. I mean, sometimes it'd be like that. I've been there myself a couple of times. Sometimes it'd be like that, but people still have to live and survive. Even on that, we're seeing grocery, like retail stores. We're talking malls um shoes um extracurricular activities for lack of better words increased by over like six percent um this these past few months so it's interesting to see even with inflation on the rise even with interest rates getting raised crazy we're still seeing people go out and spend their money and i think it's due to the fact that people are getting hired a lot more and people are getting paid a lot more from the first article that we just talked about. Let's continue in the article. Interest rates are starting to creep into huge jumps of prices in everyday basic goods we just talked about, making them out of reach or more out of reach for lower income households and making payments towards existing cars and houses out of reach. Home sales are coming to a halt as interest rates put many buyers out based on interest payments alone, which is crazy true. Because if you think about to our last week's episode, we talked about what interest rates are doing to the household market. And this article brings it up. I believe, so go listen to last week's episode. But home, we took a million dollar home. That was the example that the article used. Two years ago for a million dollar home, if you got it on interest, you'd be making like $4,000 a month of payment. I know this sounds crazy, but this is just to give you how much inflation has increased, right? Like you can also scale this down to like a regular priced home, but this is just because it's a million dollars. It's even, it helps keeps our mind. So a million dollars, if you were to buy a million dollar home two two years ago before COVID, you would have paid about $4,000 a month for that same exact home. And for that same exact price and same exact loan, everything the same today, you'd be paying $67,000 for the same exact deal today than you did two years ago. So we're talking there's a $2,000 plus or $2,000 plus increase on that same loan. Now, if you bring it down for a regular house, you're still looking at a huge increase, um, whether that from like $1,000 to like $2,100, $2,200. So it scales just the same. Interest rates are insanely high. And it's put a lot of people off of buying homes. We've seen home prices skyrocket so it's good for if you're trying to sell a home 
Um, but if you're trying to buy, it's not good because these homes are way overpriced due to their interest rates and what's going on. It's good for these homeowners because they're building good equity in their homes based on the value of what it is. Like they have money inside of it, but they can't get it because no one wants to buy houses at this rate. So a lot of people are saying we're in a real estate bubble. I don't know if I'd go far to say is that. I would say the reflection of the... So back in 2008, the reason why homes that way, because if you breathed and walked, they gave you a loan for a crazy amount. This is a totally different circumstance today. We just have poor money managing and we gave out like 2000 plus dollars two years ago to every American. And now we're starting to feel the pressure of all that money entering circulation. So two, I mean, I there can be an argument if you really want to get into like the super nerdy, like house bubble, real estate bubble. You can make that argument if you want to be like super nerdy about it, but broad strokes, different circumstances, different underlying causes. So although there can be an argument made for the same thing, it's really not because it's just different all around. But yet we are still saying that people are spending more money in a high interest and a high inflation era. Has it affected you at all? Have you been affected by this? Have you been spending more money? Have you not been spending more money based on this news? Or do you have no idea this was going on? Now for something that we had no idea what's going on, Elon finally bought Twitter. Now we have kept up on the Elon saga and the Twitter saga for as long as we can remember on the Fi Economy episode. And I know there was a lot of talks of him sitting to buy it. He didn't end up, he backed out because he wants to know how many bots are on the site, among other things I'm sure that weren't disclosed to the media or to the general public. He backed out. He was then getting sued by Twitter because I guess you can't say you're going to buy something for that amount of money and then back out of it. But like if it's a lower amount of money, no one cares. Anyways, um, he wasn't going to buy it. Comes back, says he's not going to buy it, goes to court with Twitter. And then finally, the deal closes this past week on October 27th. So Elon finally owns Twitter. Elon and Twitter had a meeting dated for October 27th to define the terms of the deal for financing the $44 billion purchase or for it to not go through. And according to SC or for it to not go through. And according to the SEC filings, the deal has been closed for $44 billion. There's lots of talks of how Elon is financing this purchase. So Elon is the wealthiest person in the world, the richest person in the world. That doesn't mean like he has billions of dollars on hand which a lot of people think what that means is he has assets that are worth up to billions. So by definition, he is the richest person on the planet, has a lot of power, but doesn't mean he has these like billions of dollars of cash just freely able to spend. It's all tied up in assets. It's all tied up in different things that he owns. So people, so people think like, oh, he'll just write a check for $44 billion. No, he doesn't have that kind of cash laying around. I can guarantee you that he doesn't. Because no bank can hold that. And if he did, it would have to be tied up in assets. It's just not realistic. That's not what's happening. So a lot of people are asking, how does he pay for that? Well, he owns lots of stock in Tesla. He owns lots of stock in other things. He owns homes. He has um, equity or financing and all these different kind of homes, stock options, portfolio options, all of these things. So how he's going to pay for this essentially is by selling Tesla stock or using Tesla financing to take away money from that and then purchase Twitter or he'll go through a bank and the bank will front that money. And then in exchange for that, 
Elon will give trade them assets or stuff like that. The way you have to finance it is big because you have to move. There's a lot of different parts, especially for a company at this high level for purchases this high. And this is on the lower end. Um, I didn't I wasn't doing Phyconomy at the time this happening, but um, a gaming company, I believe it was um, Microsoft had acquired Blizzard, um, something like that a while ago. And that we're talking that was like hundreds of billions of dollars. And you don't have hundreds of billion dollars lying around. It's all tied up in stocks, assets, and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, this is a lower end of the deal. There's much bigger in terms of finances deals that go on. But this is one person solely buying this. And he's using his equity and different stocks to buy it, which is a baller move. Also, if you didn't listen to the episodes before, just to kind of give you the scale of like what this looks like, so Elon purchasing Twitter for $44 billion is like a college student going to buy a like a Mac laptop. In terms of scale, that's how much money it is to him. So like, you know, if you go buy, it's a big purchase, but like you're kind of okay because you're going to get paid next week anyways kind of thing. That's like the same thing with Elon buying Twitter. He's It's a lot of money, but he gets paid next week, so it's going to be fine, which is interesting to think about how much wealth that actually is. So shortly after the deal closing, if you guys, if any of you guys are on Twitter, pay attention to Twitter. There's tons of Twitter memes and tons of Twitter pictures. Elon fired the CEO Praj and the CFO shortly after the takeover and is continuing to lay off some of the workforce of Twitter the day after it. Following the company laid off engineers at a large pace after Elon visited the, his new Twitter's HQ. Um, there are pictures and they're all videos surfaces, surfacing of Elon visiting the Twitter HQ and talking with the people, sitting down with some of the old executives, excuse me, sitting down with some of the old executives and talking with his new management. At, and there's lots of videos. If you just look up Elon Twitter, you'll see tons of them on Twitter. In addition, also, so that's the deal. That's what's going on with that. He's fired people. He owns it. He's already in talks of creating like a Twitter moderation, a new Twitter moderation team where before he does anything, he wants to get people from all diverse kinds of backgrounds to talk about what should and what shouldn't be allowed on Twitter, which I think is huge. A lot of people like meme on Elon because like he's a meme lord. He He's the wealthiest man in the world and literally posts meme 24-7. So a lot of people make fun of him for that. But also he did like a YouTube video where he talked about while he owns Twitter, he wants to get a team of diverse individuals from ranging from all backgrounds to talk about what is censorship and how to avoid that, but also what should we censor at Twitter that's like obviously a threat to the nation? Is it mean to people? Um, is it calling like for people to do mean stuff to other people? Stuff like that. So I think that's a pretty bold move, but here's where we get into controversy. So Elon has stated both publicly on Twitter that he plans to free many lifelong bans on Twitter. And what's the first person everyone thinks of? Donald Trump, the former president. There's been lots of hot takes, but I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. What you think? What do you think? Will he? Will he not? What would that look like? I will add that I added this to my notes because this is something I saw um, earlier when I was writing. Later, after I wrote these notes, there have been multiple companies who have said they would take out their ad spend. So, like, for example, I don't know if Apple is one of these companies. I'm just using them as an example. So, if Apple found out Donald Trump was... Um, reinstate it back on Twitter, they would take off their Apple ads on Twitter because they don't support that. Like I said, I don't know if Apple is one of those companies that said that, just using it as an example. So there's that. Lots of companies 
totaling 50 plus, none of their names have been released yet, have stated that if Donald Trump plus some other people that I don't even know, so I don't even know if they're that popular to begin with, said they would take away their ad spend if these people and institutions were reinstated. What do you guys think? Are you excited about Elon Twitter, owning Twitter? Do you not care? Are you scared? Me personally, I think Elon's a baller. I think he's pretty cool. Um, Obviously, he's like one of the greatest entrepreneurs ever. I'm not trying to be like kiss up to the rich guy or anything like that. But I think it's impressive um, from starting PayPal to being a multi-billionaire. I mean, there's a lot of hard work and sleepless nights there. So I just have to respect that. And as far as like censorship and stuff, I mean, uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm here for the memes anyways. But there, guys, that is your important news. We talked about U.S. inflation still hot. We're talking about people being hired, but they're still being broke. We're talking about inflation being up, but people are still spending money. And we just got finished talking about how Elon finally owns Twitter and how you structure a deal like that. If this has been beneficial to you guys at all, please go ahead and review the episode down below the podcast. Go ahead and share and tag at Kyle the Horton on whether Instagram or Twitter. DM me if you have any questions about money. Let me leave you with this piece of encouraging advice. We all have a duty to be strong in our finances and know what we're spending our money on and how we're spending our money. Just if we live in a country where we're blessed to kind of be ignorant of our money, doesn't mean we should. We should know what we're doing with it and we should be smart about it. Doesn't mean you go can't party it up. Doesn't mean you can't go and live it up. Just know where your money's going. So at the end of the week and then the month, you're not saying where'd all my money go. Let's just be smart about it. And that's the point of economy. I appreciate you guys share the episode. DM me to talk about anything. And I'll see you guys later this week for Kyle Talks. Peace.